Hey, it's Joyce. Every week, I have the chance to chat with an interesting, inspiring human and to share that conversation with you. Join me as I walk and talk with entrepreneurs, adventurers, and all sorts of people who are working hard to empower women and make the world a better place. Now listen, this is not some highly polished, formally produced podcast. It's just two humans out for a walk with the chance to learn from each other. So lace up your sneakers, head out the door, and join us. Hey, everyone. Joyce here welcoming you to our first walk and talk of 2023, a year that I am incredibly excited about. And we are kicking off this year's walk and talk with our guest, Sherry Clark, who is a midlife courage coach. She's a television show host. She's a speaker. She's an author. She is a recovering entrepreneur, or I suppose you're still on an entrepreneurial journey. We can talk about that a little bit. Sherry has written and presented on topics ranging from finding your passion to overcoming career burnout. Her fork in the road coaching practice keeps her busy working with clients one-on-one and in groups to work on creating the most authentic and fulfilling life you can. So Sherry and I met because I was a guest on her upcoming show and I just knew that she had so much to share with this audience. So let's dig in. Sherry, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. So it's so interesting to me that you sort of defined your lane as really working with women in the second half of their lives. What in the world brought you to that passion and that mission? <laughs> How long we got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's, it's a multi-step process like, like many people. My, my trajectory of life wasn't really linear. And like many people, it wasn't the story that I wrote, you know, I didn't follow the script. So um, originally, I was just, I wanted to be a teacher, I wanted to, um, you know, uh, like live a normal, regular life and, and whatnot. Um, But somewhere along the line, I got this kind of subtle message from the universe. I I don't remember anybody ever saying this to me. But I remember getting the message as I was growing up, honey, it's nice that you want to be a teacher, but teachers don't make a lot of money. So if you want to be successful, you'll do something else. And, um, you know, and, and it was like I said, no, I can't point to a relative or a teacher or anybody that ever said that, but it, it kind of like, you know how you get messages by osmosis, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I decided that I was going to study business and I, you know, went to undergraduate and did that. And then I went to graduate school. Anyway, the long and short of it was I, I bounced around a little bit, um, and bounced around meaning, um, I didn't end up. Uh, with, I ended up with a, a short time career in what I got my master's in, which was higher education and counseling. But I ended up o- owning an advertising agency for 25 years. And I guess what I'm, I'll, I'll condense the story at this point and just say, when I got to the point when the advertising agency gig wasn't fulfilling anymore, I had to decide what to do with my life. But by that time, I was 53. And making a lot of money. And you know something, Joyce? That's a hard place to be. 
because when you're not <laughs> happy, you know, you're not happy, but you're making good money. There's a, a temptation to suck it up and just go, oh, tuck it out. Nobody's happy. <laughs> and I could, I just couldn't do it anymore. So that's how I ended up. It's a, it's kind of a convoluted story. There's a lot of in between, things in between the lines, but that's the high, the 40,000 foot version of it. So I, I often ask this question of guests who have had this kind of transition. Was there a moment? Was there a moment where you woke up one day and thought, I cannot do this for another minute? Yes. Yes. There Can were, you share that there, moment? Absolutely. So I, I will tell you there were many sub moments of that. There's a moment that you can't unring the bell. There's a moment you just yeah. know, you know, you know, and I know that's what you're asking about. But I want to tip my hat to the moments that came before and what I did about them because I think that women who are in a position where they know change needs to happen, but they, it's the the cup that you need one more drop for it to overflow, and so the the moments that I had the cup that was almost full but didn't quite overflow was when I, I knew I needed to go. I, I it was I started drinking too much and eating bad and stopped exercising. You know, all of the things that we know are making it worse. And I started feeling miserable and waking up in the morning and saying, I don't want to get out of bed and hitting the snooze, all of the signs. And so I found ways to distract myself. So I I volunteered for things. I actually wrote a book with a traditional publisher. It took a long time to do and whatever. It's also a lot of work. And I did all these things to distract myself, you know, the, the squirrel, <laughs> shiny objects, mm. whatever. And then finally what happened, because there were many people listening that are probably in that mode where they're like, well, I'll just do this. I'll keep myself busy so I don't have to think about how unhappy I am, whether that's in career or relationship or whatever it is. One day I was sitting in church and I wasn't it wasn't that the sermon was so particularly moving, but I looked down at my watch and I realized that in less than 24 hours, I had to go back to work, air quotes, work, and I burst into tears because I hated it so much and I owned it. And I knew then that I couldn't live that life anymore because I thought to myself, I'm paying people to come and spend the better part of their week <laughs> in, a, in the same building with me, and this is how I feel. That's mm -hmm. not fair. So I had to go, and it was it was just it was that moment where, and it was like I can't deny it anymore. It's just there. And Pretty awful. How? How long from that moment until you left the agency? Great question. So um, that moment came in March, and I had some thinking to do because I had a business partner, and my business partner, P.S., this is, a, <laughs> I could be a made-for-TV movie, mm -hmm. um, my business partner was also my ex, and so there were many layers of crap there. And um, so I knew I knew in March, um, in May, I approached my assistant and said to her, I am thinking of leaving. Um, I know it's going to get ugly. 
and I know that it will be hard for you if I can promise you a soft landing, either by hiring you or giving you severance or whatever, will you help me through this? And um, she said yes. And so I made my announcement on July 3rd, so from March to July, because I had to put a lot of things into place. And then um, I didn't want it to be an ugly departure, so I did it with grace. And um, I, and I say that with pride. I, it was important to me to do it with grace. And I was out the door by Labor Day. So it was a grand total of six months, but it was a lot of things to unravel because it was a 25-year-old business. We owned a building. We had employees. We had clients. We had all these things. And he continued the business, but there was a big transition. So um, so it, it, it wasn't – I say I tell you all of that because it wasn't um, an impulse it wasn't like you're standing at the supermarket and you're like, oh, that candy bar looks good. I think I'll buy it and eat in the car. It wasn't like that. It was this has to happen and it has to happen with class. And that was essential to me. And that takes time. And I, there's, a, there's almost a metaphor in your story because it seems to me that for most people, whatever it is, that you are looking to leave and transition in your life that's meaningful, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Whether it's, I, I've, I, I've friends who are working through relationships that maybe they're going to have to leave. It's hard. It's complicated. Careers that you've invested in for a decade or two decades or three decades that you are now going to unravel. It's hard. But that doesn't mean it's impossible, right? Exactly. And life is hard. You know, it was, it's funny that we're having this conversation now because literally, uh, let's see, 10 minutes ago, right before this call, I was, I have a group that I lead and we were, we had our meeting and we were, I asked them to remember hard things that they've done in their life. It was part of an exercise that we were doing and made it through things that at the moment you thought would they would take you down it would bring you to your knees and i gave a couple of examples from my own personal life and i said i have survived two not one but two irs audits <laughs> that's oof. enough <laughs> yeah oof um and i have um i have called the ambulance in the middle of the night when i thought and i live alone i thought i was dying literally thought i was dying and living through making it through that experience and the relationships and the business that I just shared, all of those things, we have, we're, especially women, we are tough babies. We're tough broads. And um, it, we, you have gotten through other things. One of the examples that when I said to my group was, I have not, I don't have any children. I have not given birth. I don't know about women that do that. Knowing what you're going to come in, <laughs> come up to and having all this time to anticipate it. Holy cow. So we are brave. It's only you're making it bigger than it is. And I know that that's not, that's like easy for you to say. It's the anticipation. It's not about going to the dentist. It's about seeing the needle coming toward you and anticipating what it's going to feel like and tensing up and getting ready and flinching. It's all of that. And once you take the first step, and I think the important thing is take that step. Don't look to the end. 
you can't predict the end. So many things and twists and turns, but you can predict within somewhat reason the first step. Just take that. So what a metaphor for what you do, right? <laughs> well, I believe that walking is, frankly, the gateway, partly because of the metaphor of taking those steps and physically moving forward, I think breaks down some of those barriers and makes you feel like you can move forward. But yes. that said, and thank you for that segue, but what do you say to women, and I think this is really the tricky part for so many people, people who say, I'm not happy where I'm at, I know I need to make changes, but I don't know where I want to be, so therefore, I don't even know the direction to step. Love it. Well, here's one thing, is to say, to realize that almost anything is possible. And I say almost because I'm a realist. I, I could want to be a ballerina, but Joyce, I think that ship mm -hmm. may have sailed <laughs> since I had no <laughs> skill and I'm uncoordinated. Um, so there are some things that, that we might take out of the realm of possibility. But to me, I think it's, to, it's about re resurrecting a skill that we lost, I think, as when we were children. And that is about being curious, like about having like, I wonder, to be able to say, I wonder. And one of the two words that we used to say in the advertising agency world what you know that, that wasn't a totally bad experience i had a lot a lot of great memories there um and we used to say at our staff meetings we'd start a sentence with what if mm -hmm. and that's where that's where the beauty comes in that's where the solutions the creativity what if what if and if you allow yourself to just say what if what if I didn't? What if I could? What if this was possible? And sometimes having someone else to do that with, that's a beautiful thing. And the the important part to me is who you pick as your partner to, ha to have that conversation with. And I don't mean literal partner, like spouse or whatever, but I mean, when you are looking at making a change and you want to have a conversation, a meaningful conversation about it and actually move the needle, pick somebody to talk to that doesn't have a horse in your race. It's really hard to say to your spouse and get an objective uh, response, you know, I think I'm going to quit the six-figure job that's making this life that we have together possible because I really want to teach yoga. You probably aren't going to have somebody play in the sandbox with you and say, you know, let's try that. Let's. That might be something that you have a conversation with somebody else. So that's where I would begin is start in the what if realm. Uh, what if are two of my most favorite wor words in exactly that context. So I'm right there with you. I think there's another piece of it, uh, and I, I'm just that I suspect you agree, which is be willing to be wrong, which is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Yeah. We don't need to have all of the answers in order to take the first step. Can you, assuming you agree with that, uh, can you share a little bit about your thinking around that? Yeah, you know what? It's not just be willing to be wrong. It's be willing to be uncomfortable and be willing to be uncertain. Um, 
I'm having some of that myself now with some, some programs that I'm putting together. And I was speaking with my assistant, Molly, this morning, and Molly and I are close. And um, I said, there's some things that are ju I'm just not seeing. I don't have the vision. I just, it's not coming together. I just don't know what to do. And she's like, it'll come, it'll come. She knows. And because it will come, it will, it, it, one way or another, it will, the answer reveals itself. The thing about it is, is it reveals itself when you're not tensed up about it and looking so desperately for it that that you you can't see other possibilities because the answer it, this is this harkens to your point about being wrong the answer might not look like what you think it's part of that whole what if thing it's like hmm you know what if what i'm doing next isn't even a course what if dot 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 it hmm. could be anything what if it's a ballet class <laughs> not for me you know uh, the walking the walking thing i can muster that i can i can i love i love in that and actually that's where i get a lot of my creativity um and molly knows when i i go by myself on my walks and i don't listen to podcasts often <laughs> except for maybe this one i would listen to <laughs> um <laughs> and, and i don't typically listen to music i listen to my own thoughts or get lost in them or i take a problem with me and i'll work on it and the, what i do i do have my phone with me for safety but i also will record a video for molly and if she gets um like five or six videos with ideas in them she's like you went out for a walk didn't you <laughs> <laughs> totally well there's a brilliant study out of Stanford University that shows that a 20-minute walk can boost your creativity by 60%, and those benefits last for several hours. So it's no surprise that you find a lot of inspiration and creativity when you're out walking, for sure. So yeah. we had talked a little bit about this idea of courage and confidence. Yes. Are they the same thing? You know, they're not, um, and it's, they're, they're often used interchangeably in conversation, but, but I don't think that they are. The way I see confidence is kind of an internal um, sense that, uh, sense of uh, ability, sense of uh, adeptness, you know, like, yeah, I got this. To me, courage is being able to move forward even in the face of fear. Even in the even in not having all of the facts or knowing that the outcome is going to be the way that you're projecting it or predicting or wanting it and hoping it to be, it's being able to step forth and do it. And I don't. So I think that the the terms can be. Well, I don't think they're accurate when they're used interchangeably. I think confidence can boost courage, um, but courage requires action you've got to do something you can't just talk about it and to sort of bring our whole conversation full circle around this something that just kind of came to my mind around this is being confident that you can take that next step even if you don't know where it's going to lead mm -hmm. and having yeah. Yeah, like I'm kind of conflating the two a little bit even in my own head, but it's I 
am confident I can do this next thing. Yes. Confidence is helpful when you're trying to muster courage, but I don't know that you have to have it. I think that, I think sometimes courage, let let me me put it to you this way. Um, I often talk about that there are two kinds of courage. Courage in the face of, of something that that happens to you, let's say um, you're diagnosed with something horrible, um, or you are you see a, um, a car hit somebody, and you know you we've all heard those stories. The person musters superhuman strength and lifts the car to save the other person, or somebody that runs into a building. Those are responses. That's courage that happens. It's almost reflexive. It's something that you do. You just you're like, what choice do I have? This is here before me. The other kind of courage is the kind of courage that you don't have the it's showtime moment. It's, it's, the, it's the courage that I had to find, Joyce, to get out of the situation that I was in. in the gold, I call them golden handcuffs of making so much money that it was hard to leave because that meant walking away from all of those trappings, all of the things I had worked for at the age of 53 and saying to myself, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to replace even a part of this income? Will this work? Um, that's a different kind of courage. And I, it's, it's the thing that makes it harder, I think, is because you have to think about it. When a building's on fire and your kid's in it, there's no thinking. But when you are in a marriage that's ho 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 so ho ho <laughs> so so <laughs> and <laughs> uncomfortable um that takes a lot more because you start thinking what am i going to give up what is it going to cost me what do i have to sacrifice you don't necessarily think in those terms when it's the other kinds of courage does that make any sense yes absolutely Absolutely. And how, how do you tap in? I, I, certainly the kind of rumination, right? You can think yourself uh, into circles. I think pretty, especially at two o'clock in the morning, I think pretty much most of us can talk ourselves into circles at two o'clock in the morning. How do you muster that courage to do something, you know, to, to take a step to literally save your life or save the life of a person you love, right? As you say, you know, showtime, mm-hmm. that's a different thing. But to muster the courage to do something that you don't actually have to do in the immediacy to save your life, though maybe you do, maybe you are saving your life. It's just a slower kind of thing. You needed to change your career to save right. your spirit. You know, uh, I talk, and I know you know this, I talk about regret, um, and there's a book that I recommend, I I didn't write, um, but it, it was written by Bronnie Ware, B-R-O-N-N-E, Ware, W-A-R-E, and I may get the title incorrect, but it's going to be close. It's called The Five Regrets of the Dying, and um, in it, she talked, and it's not, it's not morbid, or, or it's actually a very uplifting book. Um, and when we start thinking of our lives in the context of when you take that last breath, what will have been important to you? And though that sounds pretty, you know, that sounds like a pretty deep thought, 
but let's face it, the time here is finite. I wish it weren't, but it is. And if not now, when? So I think it's a matter of um, thinking about, will I regret this if I don't? And I do a lot of regret work with my clients. Um, and again, I know you know that. Looking at what have I done in the past that I've regretted, either because I didn't act or because I did. And when you look at the things that you've done in, your, in other parts of your life and other times of your your time here on the planet, and you can you'll be able to discover patterns in your own behavior, and that will allow you to say, not this time. Most of the time, it's from inaction or procrastination or whatever, mm -hmm. and and we can identify those. That's a that's a really common one. But there are actually 14 other <laughs> regret patterns that um, that I work in and have identified that that in that you can actually when once you see them it's easier to not do them it's like when you do a when you do public speaking and someone says you say um a lot then you start counting how many times you say um in your video then you can correct it you can be more conscious of it you can get rid of it but until you're aware of it you don't there's not a chance do you find that people are really resistant to kind of cataloging their regrets I think if I sent somebody uh, off in a corner by themselves to do it, they probably wouldn't. They'd find some brownies to eat and some, <laughs> some wine to drink and avoid the hell out of it. I know I would. But when you can be guided through an experience like that um, with with someone, it's like hiking on a trail with a guide. You know, you if you go someplace that's unfamiliar, but you you've got a Sherpa, you've got somebody leading the way, you can have more confidence, you can have more courage, and you can do, you can get to where it is you want to go. So I, there's a there's a way to do it. It's not just, don't just write down your regrets and then look at them and go, oh, well, I'm a loser. You know, there's a process to it. But But the point being that one place to start is to say, I always do this to myself. And if you hear yourself saying that, you might just be ready. And how do you fight back the anger at yourself that comes from cataloging your regrets, no matter what kind of circumstance or support you have around doing that? If you're looking at all, if you're intentionally, deliberately looking at the crappy decisions you've made in your life, that's hard stuff. <laughs> you know, here's something, here's a, some good news, spoiler alert. Oftentimes when, when I ask somebody to do this, I'll say, I want to, I would like you to write down every regret you can think of. Very often. They fire they you? Come back. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the good part because this is, and, the, and everybody listening will understand this. They'll say, you know what? As I started to write, I had all of these things. Like, let's say it's a, this is a common one, a failed marriage, right? And so they'll say, I regret ever marrying the SOB. And then they say, but if I hadn't, I wouldn't have had these two wonderful children. Or if I hadn't, I wouldn't have moved to this town and gotten this job, and then that happened. And so what happens is by, by cataloging or just downloading those regrets, we can start seeing, and seeing them for what they are. They were passages in time. Regretting marrying somebody is, you know, if you can learn that, 
I, I always seem to go for the same kind, the bad boys, then you've learned something from that regret. No more bad boys. We're going to go for the nice guys next time. You can't unring a bell. Those things happened. So denying their existence doesn't make them go away. Acknowledging their existence prevents it from happening again. And so in addition to finding out that, you know what, I, I realized I really only had two or three regrets. And that's typically what people will do. They'll write down all of this stuff and say, you know what, actually, the things that I regret, the big things are this and that, whatever those this and that might be. And here's what they have in common, because there's always a pattern. So interesting. And I suppose if you're going to look at your life and you start cataloging those regrets, since our lives are not linear, every good thing that's happened in your life is somehow tied to the steps you've taken in the past. And it's yes. very easy to d disrupt that path. Yep. And look exactly. at if I hadn't done X, which sucked, I never would have gotten to Y. So is X really a regret or just a stepping stone in the journey of your life? Yes. Bingo. There, you, you get the concept. And there are several other little nuances to, to it, to doing that, that work. But um, at the end of the day, when you come out of it, it's like, wow. Because the other thing I ask people to do is write down 100 successes. So there's a, I'm not all Debbie Downer, trust me. A <laughs> 100, oh, we should do something around 99 walks where we encourage people to write down 99 successes. Ooh, that's a fun project. Absolutely. And here's the thing. And in fact, let's give this to them for free. Take it, please. So the, when you write down your successes, because there's some that are pretty easy, you know, I graduated from college and I got a master's degree and whatever. Here's one. I'll give you an example because we, it's hard to come up with 99 because you go for the big ones. I bought a house. I got the house paid off. Of course, those are great. Put those on the list. But remember, go in your Wayback Machine. I'll give you an example. Self-disclosure here. Not something I'm proud of. I failed my driver's test twice before I passed it the third time. So you bet your bottom dollar that me passing my driver's test finally, even, even though it happened when I was 16, and let's just say that was a while ago. <laughs> That's on my list because I persevered because I kept doing what it took, because I went back, because I survived. And, and that success, you know, that could have been a failure. That could have been a regret. I regret that I didn't take driver's ed more seriously. You see, it's all about taking a really good objective look at yourself and your life and your experiences and saying, I've done hard things before. I can do hard things again. I love that. And it's a perfect place to end. But before we do, can you share a little bit about your upcoming talk series? Yeah, uh, and absolutely. also share all the places that people can find you out in uh, the interwebs if they want more information about working with you and the content you share and all the things. Perfect. Thank you. Well, the first thing that you would do if you want to find me, um, the best place to go is to my website, which is um, Let's see, nine characters, so I will tell you what they are. It's www.fork, F-O-R-K, hyphen, 
road, R-O-A-D dot com. So that's my website. And that would be the best place because you can link from there to all any social and that type of thing. Um, and you can email me directly from there as well. The, the series that I am hosting that um, airs beginning January 16th and runs through the end of the month is is called Sherry Clark's um, January Talk Series for Midlife Women. So I'm pretty clear it's the month of January. It's me hosting it, and it's the audience is midlife women. And what we will be covering, will, and we have esteemed guests, of which you, thank you, are one <laughs> of them, and I appreciate that. And our, our interview was so much fun and so rock solid, and I just so appreciate you being there. So some of the other topics um, that we'll be talking about um, are things as lofty and as large as finding your purpose, which is a big one. Um, we talk about um, your relationship with alcohol, which for some people, particularly this time of year, is a really timely topic. Um, another topic is fashion over 45. And what I love about that guest is that she is she, she calls herself the coach for women who are not fashionistas. So that was fun. Navigating divorce is another one. And in that talk, we visited about when you're in the process or the throes of divorce and even after it. Handling narcissists, which is, <laughs> I think, probably everybody on the planet knows at least one of those. Um, we talk about uh, health, things physiologically like breast health and bone health and vision. Um, Managing anxiety, which is another one of those ones, and you and I touched on that a little bit today, you know, that 2 a.m. wake-up call that you have when you're like, ah, what am I going to do? Um, one speaker talks about relationships with adult children, and um, because that is a whole new nuance, you know, when your kids aren't kids anymore. Um, so those are the kinds of topics that we address. Um, I love to have a variety of depth and what I love and you can attest to is the conversations aren't fluffy. You know, we don't, just like yours, just like you ask me questions that are, require some thought. And I appreciate that. Um, so thank you for asking about the series. <laughs> Fantastic. And it was my honor to, excuse me, to be part of that. And I'm excited uh, to share that. So we will share all of these links in the show notes. I will let the community know when the series launches. And hopefully we will have the opportunity to chat in the future and maybe walk together one day. Oh, I would so love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. All right. Take care. Thank you for joining us for today's Walk and Talk. Catch new episodes featuring inspiring guests every week in the 99 Walks app and all the places podcasts live. Until then, I wish you happy trails.